0: Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. So great to be with you today as we continue our series called Seek, where we are discussing today what it looks like to seek God amidst uncertainty. Certainly, I think an appropriate thing to talk about in the times in which we live. Because life is full of uncertainties, we don't know what curveballs are coming, what plot twists lie ahead, what blind corners are there. We often don't even know which event we're facing will end up with a good outcome or perhaps a challenging one. Reminds me of one of my favorite stories. Uh, there's a plane that's going over the Midwest, and the captain comes on over the intercom, says, "Hey." Uh, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. We are currently flying at 30,000 feet. Things are going good. We've got a small tailwind. Everything looks like clear skies, low turbulence. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Everyone on the plane is stunned. What's going on? Are we going down? Is an engine on fire? This can't be good. Then they hear the captain come back over the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, so sorry for that outburst. I was holding a cup of coffee and I spilled it into my lap. You should see the front of my pants. And there, out of the middle of the aircraft, you heard a voice cry out, yeah, well, you should see the back of mine. <laughs> yep, we always don't know what, what things we're facing is just a momentary inconvenience or what is a legitimate crisis. What's a setback and what's a major life turnaround. And in that uncertainty, we're not always uh, sure about how to respond those times in life when maybe it seems like, God, you're not showing up the way I thought you would. That's uh, a constant frustration that we face amidst life. We, we we also face the frustrations of just the delays we're faced with. Uh, I, I think of You know, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I feel like at stoplights, uh, sometimes you'll be behind someone at a stoplight, and you'll see maybe they're texting or they're putting on makeup, and the light will change, and. And I wish, I don't know about you, but I wish my car had a different horn. I've got the one horn, which is, a, you know, it's like the angry horn. Every, every, everything to use my horn, it always sounds angry. No matter how small I make the beep, it just sounds angry. And I'm not angry in that moment. I just want a different horn, like a little bell, like a ding, ding, ding. Hey, it's time to go. The, the lights change. Hey, no, no rush, but hey, you know, ding, ding. Uh, time, time to move along. I wish I had a separate horn, but all I have is, a, and it always sounds like I'm so frustrated with the, the, delay. It's a small delay, but it still feels very real. Sometimes uh, those delays of life and those uncertainties can feel more serious. You know, maybe you're, you're laid off from work. Maybe that sickness is not going away. Maybe the place you're supposed to live seems slow in being revealed. Greater greater than that, these uncertainties can literally place us in the balance between life and death. The child who lies in a hospital bed, the phone that we wait by to hear if a loved one is out of surgery, that uncertainty can feel devastating. It can feel like an ache. It can feel like a weight in our soul. Waiting for God to do something, but we're wondering Will you? Yet it's in those places that God always wants to reveal something of himself to us. See, when circumstances are beyond our control, we are invited to trust the one who is in control. Today, we're gonna look at a situation where Jesus purposefully delayed his action. He purposefully created uncertainty. And in doing so, it reveals some vital and profound blessings to those who still sought him amidst the uncertainty they were facing. We're going to be looking at John 11, uh, verses 1 through 44 is the whole story. It's, it's a large section, so allow me to sum up what happens. Word comes to Jesus that uh, Mary's brother La- Lazarus is sick. And they're like, hey, you should come because he's sick. You could, you could heal him. Well, he doesn't come. Uh, he chooses to stay where he was at for two more days. Jesus delays, but like everything else, Jesus has a reason, something he wants to reveal. And the first thing we see is this, uncertainty makes us seek God's purpose. John 11 verse four, here's the passage where we see that. In fact, you could read it with me, big voices go this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus tips his hand as to why he delayed. It's for God's glory that he would be glorified through this event, essentially saying this uncertainty will accomplish more for the glory of God than if I had simply responded immediately and and just done something at that first cry for help that there's a larger purpose at stake. It's bigger than my crisis, it's bigger than my need, that there'll be a greater eternal impact because of this uncertainty. So the struggle is this for us, amidst that delay, I'm placed in this real tension, this tension of that uncertainty of that anxiety and that suffering. I wanna make that pain go away. And in that place, I can make some very unwise choices, meaning I can begin to respond to God saying, I don't care what you're doing, God. I just want the pain to stop. And here's the problem with that. Life's uncertainty tempts us to sacrifice that which is eternal and lasting for that which is temporary and fleeting. This is what we do. There's a great story in the Old Testament, Abraham's sons, Jacob and Esau, uh, they were always kind of at odds with one another. Well, Esau returns from hunting and he's real hungry and Jacob had been cooking in the kitchen. And Esau says, hey, I'm I'm starving. Can I have some of that that soup that you're making? And Jacob says, well, yeah, you can have it, but you got to give me your birthright for it. You gotta give me your blessing, your inheritance as a firstborn son, which is way better than mine. You gotta give me that. And Esau, in the tension of that delay, in that in that uncertainty of that moment, in that that temptation of his hunger, he made a choice of eternal consequences. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. We're tempted to do the same. We turn to that addiction. We turn to that escape. We lash out in anger, we lash out in pain, but if we, in the midst of encountering these uncertainties, if we would understand that God has a greater purpose to be accomplished, perhaps we can make a far wiser choice. You know, um, I remember years ago I was going fishing with a friend, we were going steelhead fishing, but I picked him up in Portland and we were gonna head to Eugene uh, to, to go fishing on the McKinsey. We we're going to be fly fishing for steelhead. At, up to that point, I had never caught a, a steelhead on a fly rod. So we were going to be doing that. I pick him up in Portland, but we're, we're caught up and we're talking and we're catching up, and, and the conversation was great. And it wasn't, it was about two hours from Portland where I'm thinking we should be entering Eugene. I realized that we'd gone that entire distance the wrong way. I was heading north into Washington, I'd gone the wrong way the whole time. So we have to turn back around, so now we've added you know, three or four hours to the trip. And, uh, and we're really late getting on to McKinsey, not the timing that I wanted to be there. We wanted to be there far early, earlier. Get onto the river, I finally get out there and I'm casting my fly rod in a, in a spot. And wouldn't you know it, there was one particular spot that right at that moment, at that time of day, there was a steelhead lying there and I hooked him and landed him, my first steelhead on a fly rod all because of that delay, all because of that uncertainty. Here's the point. What we see as setbacks can become God's setups. What we see as setbacks can become God's setups. Jesus is showing us that there's a greater purpose amidst this uncertainty. He tells them the purpose of this event, it's that God's son may be glorified through it. That God is not glorified in our midst by removing our pain or by by giving us a path around it. No, rather, God is glorified by giving us a way through it. He's saying that through this delay, through this uncertainty, that I will be glorified in a greater way. But we want to always speed up the process. We love microwaves. We love stuff that goes fast, but God's way isn't like that. When you think of a a butterfly, and they'll be in that chrysalis, you know, the the cocoon, and uh, they'll they'll be in there and they'll be getting ready to emerge. And if you watch them emerge, at first there's just a little slit in, in the chrysalis, and then they start to wiggle their way out, and it looks like such a struggle and the butterfly is struggling to get out of there. And so at times people have, what they've done is they've they've opened, they've taken a little knife and just open it up so they don't have to struggle so much to get out. But when that happens, flop, out flops this, this tubby little butterfly that can't fly. The whole process of of working its way out through that tiny hole, it actually rings the fluids out of that butterfly. So when it emerges, it's light enough to fly away. The struggle was a hugely important part of the journey. That time spent in struggle actually gave them the ability to fly. Struggle and delay is what God uses often to reveal his purpose. That there's something greater at stake here than my immediate crisis. That God always wants to reveal his glory. That's God's purpose. So Jesus makes his way back then to Lazarus, to Bethany in Judea. It's a day's journey to get there. So this delay was ultimately four days. It took one day to get somebody there to to tell him. He waits two days, and then it's one day to get back there. And in the midst of telling the disciples that they're headed back, he makes this statement, cluing us in to another significant revelation amidst this delay. And here's the revelation. Uncertainty makes us seek God's power. Here's the statement. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. (laughs) I just love how Jesus puts that. I love how cool Jesus is about this. It's just no biggie. (laughs) Because of God's power, no biggie. I'm just going to wake him up. Lazarus is napping. I'm just going to go nudge him and, and wake him up. Now the disciples don't get it. They're like, well, if he's just sleeping, he'll be fine, right? You know, a little little mutton soup, a little Gatorade, he'll be back to normal, he'll be great. And Jesus begins to understand that he can't be that vague with the disciples. So as often is the case, they are not picking up what he's putting down. So Jesus is like, how can I say this directly? Lazarus has become, let's say, living challenged. Uh, Lazarus is wearing a toe tag. Uh, He's bought a pine condo. He's made his final curtain call. He's juggling halos. He has been liquidated. Lazarus has made reservations at the Chateau Eternity. Lazarus is permanently out of print. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus goes on to say, it's for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. So let's go to him now. Why do it that way? Okay, well, at least included in these events is the fact that Jesus wanted to show them more of himself, more of his power, more opportunity for them to grow in faith, that God can do all things, believing that God can do whatever God wants to do and that God can go beyond whatever I'm facing. To go beyond the amazement they'd already seen of opening blind eyes and and healing colds and sicknesses in order to show them that God can overcome death itself. God can do more. The question for us is, will we believe that? But see, we struggle with that kind of faith, don't we? And that struggle in our minds and hearts, it starts to diminish God's power. See, we can never trust God for too much, but we often trust God for too little. In the midst of their delay, Jesus wanted to make sure that they didn't settle for less, that they didn't think that their answers were the only answers, that their power was the only power. It's like, we, you may have noticed if you're here on campus, we had all these shrubs at the church that that last year they, they died. <laughs> they were just brown shrubs around the church. And so this week we we uh, hired a company to pull them out. And I, I thought they would come with like a truck and a chain and like one by one pull these things out. I thought it was gonna be this huge undertaking for them. But all they did was they brought in this little teeny excavator and it was just like roop. And it was done in like a couple of hours. Like all the shrubs were just gone in like a couple of hours. It was the most amazing thing because they had way more equipment, way more power than I knew they had. You know, the same is true with God and your circumstance. There's way more that God has to apply to that than we understand. God was purposeful in delaying here because he wanted these people to know something about him to believe something about him and to come to this essential understanding that death is no match for God. It felt like a delay. It felt like an uncertainty, but it was God setting the table for a revelation of his power and to make sure that no one would doubt if Lazarus was fully dead instead of being like mostly dead, (laughs) but that he was fully dead. Jesus waits four days where others would say, not only is Lazarus dead, Lazarus is ripe. Hmm. But see that uncertainty, it revealed God's power. Sometimes we wait on God amidst our uncertainty, because God wants to show us something more. Uncertainty reveals God's power. That's the second thing here is the last thing. Uncertainty makes us seek God's presence. He goes and sees the the sisters after this. Mary says to him this statement, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We understand now on this side, reading this story, that that was the whole point, that Jesus had allowed Lazarus to die because he was going to raise him. But even with that, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. We see that Jesus is so connected to people, so compassionate, so engaged in real life, that we see this amazing exchange in verse 33, John 11, 33, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then we see the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. It's John 11:36. And that verse is so powerful when you hear this story. It shows us a lot about Jesus. See, I've noticed that, that when it comes to people and their picture of God, the picture that they paint for themselves, a lot of times it's not a very accurate picture. They'll, they'll picture God as he's just out there in heaven judging people in anger or that, that God, what he does is he sets up creation, but then he walks away and, and goes far away at a distance and doesn't care how this whole thing works its way out or that, that, that God somehow rejoices in seeing people squirm. But none of that is the God we read about in Scripture. None of that is what Jesus shows us because here we see the God who weeps with us. The God who weeps with us amidst our uncertainty, amidst our confusion and our lack and our our pain. The God who cries with us in our suffering. Jesus doesn't just stand at at a distance and say, you got to get over your own problems. You did this to yourself. No, no. The God of the universe in witnessing the pain of his children, that God weeps with them. Jesus knew all the joy that was going to take place just moments from then. He knew what he was about to do But that didn't keep Jesus from weeping with them right in there today, right in this moment. This is the God who draws near to the brokenhearted. God knows every joy of your tomorrow, yet still weeps with you in the sorrows of your today. Because God's love meets us right where we are, right where you are. You know, I, I can remember in high school, I think it was probably my senior year, junior, senior year. I was out late with friends, really late. Um, So late that it was the morning by the time I came back at about 5 a.m. Hadn't told my parents where I was, uh, probably wasn't making the best of choices. And and I come back at five and I remember as I was turning onto our street, I see my father driving out five in the morning. He looks all bedraggled obviously, <laughs> hadn't slept much. I get back in the house, I park, I go inside and, and I remember sitting there, my mom's here and my father's were sitting at the dining table. My father is so upset that he can't speak. He's just almost vibrating with emotion. And it's like my mom's interpreting for him. She's like, your, your dad, he's, he's been up all night. He thought you were lying in a ditch somewhere. He thought something had happened. He, he, he was just going out again to look for you. I remember looking at my father's face in that moment. And I, I realized um, that this is, is what a father's heart looks like for his kids. It wasn't anger. It was this desperation of, I want you to be OK. He was shaken at the thought of my harm. I I wanna be near you. He wasn't mad. He was wrecked at the thought of of me being, being in trouble, being hurt. You may wonder where God is amidst your suffering. When you're staring at those divorce papers, when you hear that diagnosis, when you get that dreaded phone call that there's been an accident, when your deployed son has not been heard of for a few weeks, when you're sitting by that ICU bed. In that place of torturous uncertainty, you may find yourself wondering what God is doing. And this tells us of the God who is troubled and who is moved and who weeps with you. That although God exists outside of time, God draws near to us amidst our times of trial. Though Jesus knew here redemption was coming, Jesus still wept with them, which means Jesus still weeps with you. This delay revealed the God who is present in the midst of our uncertainty. The, now, the story here, it resolves in such an amazing way. It's like this big suspended cord finally resolves, you know. And, and, and it's with these words, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come forth. And slowly into the light comes this one who Jesus loves. He's wrapped like a mummy. He emerges. Take off the grave clothes. <laughs> Those don't belong on the living The one once dead is now alive because of Jesus. Jesus was present in their pain, and now Jesus is present in their triumph because uncertainty, it reveals God's presence. I'll wrap up with this. There was a newspaper publisher who reached out to a noted astronomer, and they said, we'd like 500 words on whether or not there is life on Mars. The astronomer replied saying, here's your 500 words. He wrote, nobody knows 250 times. There is much of life that is uncertain. All of us are caught in this tension between a fallen world and an eternal promise. When it comes down to us, All of life has within it this element of uncertainty. All of us caught in this tension between a fallen world and what God is doing in the future. Our world gives us glimpses of both heaven and hell. And we wait in that tension, seeking the fulfillment of all that God has in store. And God wants to show up right there just as he showed up with with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And here is the real take home for us. I love that Jesus was allowed to show up, that Mary and Martha didn't say, you weren't here, my brother died, you're not welcome in my house. No, amidst all of their questions, all of their uncertainty, they still let him in. Amidst all these these questions like, Jesus, why did you allow this to happen? If you had come, he wouldn't have died. They still had questions, yet they allowed their trust in Christ to override the uncertainty of their circumstance. Even though they came seeking answers from Jesus, they first and foremost sought Jesus himself. That regardless of the answer, I'm letting you into my house. They let him in, they allowed Jesus to join them right in the middle of their uncertainty. They made a place for Jesus amidst their suffering, amidst their confusion, amidst their grief. Here's the question, will you do the same? Jesus wants to show his purpose, his power and his presence amidst our uncertainty. Could it be that instead of allowing the confusion of life to send us reeling down broken paths and and walking away from Jesus, could it be that life's uncertainties set us on a path straight to the King? Would you let that happen today? Could we let Jesus join us amidst our uncertainty? Because Jesus wants to join you there. The question is, will you let him in? Let's let him in today. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.